Today's episode of the podcast is brought to you by Eccentric, the makers of the K-Box and the new K-Pulley. Guys, flywheel training's really grown in popularity of late, and although it's something that's been around for a while, the simple reason that it's grown in popularity is because it works. We've been lucky to have a K-Box in our weight room for the past three years, and we've seen some really great things when it comes to improving the athlete's ability to change direction, and then looking at our return to play protocols with different lower body injuries with the student athletes. The love-hate relationship that everyone has with the K-Box is now just going to grow more with the addition of the K-Pulley. The ability to do standing presses, pulls, rip-throughs, and knee drive exercises is just going to be another arsenal to our training and another addition to the love-hate relationship that our student-athletes have with the awesome tools that come from Eccentric. Go ahead and hop over to Eccentric.com today to check out what they have. Guys, I can't recommend it enough, and I guarantee you won't be disappointed not just with the products, but with the awesome customer service that Eccentric provides. Hey, everybody. If you enjoy the podcast and the content that it provides, make sure you hop over and check out the all-new Strength Coach Network. The Strength Coach Network is a combination of the CVA SPS community and the Rugby Strength Coach community, bringing you what is sure to be the Internet's leading resource for continuing education for strength and conditioning professionals. Combining these two resources has allowed us to bring some of the best content from some of the best minds in the world together for your one-stop shop to better improve the continuing education for not just yourself, but your entire staff. Bringing together all of the lectures from the Rugby Strength Coach community, along with the lectures exclusively done for the Central Virginia Sport Performance community, and all the lectures performed at the Central Virginia Sport Performance Seminar, make this an absolute must for performance coaches around the world. The world-class lectures at the Strength Coach Network are not all that you'll see as well. The discussion in the forums and the support and the career guidance from some of the top practitioners in the world, from people all over the world, makes this an absolute must and a great place for you to network, learn, and grow as a performance professional. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com and use the code CVASPS, that's C-V-A-S-P-S, to get your 48-hour trial for only a dollar. We're sure you're going to find great value in the Strength Coach Network and are really excited to have you involved. So hop on over to strengthcoachnetwork.com and use the code CVASPS to check it out today. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today, guys, we have an absolutely sensational talk with Matt Solomon discussing the steps he took from school to the professional realm and some ideas and feedback based off of some research that they've been doing as to how young coaches can better build their network and move their way through the professional ranks. Uh, and this one, we get right into it, guys. We, Matt shares with us how he came from the UK to the Netherlands um, and, and how he did so by building a network and, and following different methods to, to move through his career path. You know, and then we get right into the questionnaire that he sent out to multiple levels of professionals uh, to look at what they're looking for from interns and how athlete, or how coaches can get into internships and what is their advice to them. Uh, you know, and then we finish off, guys, getting into his role in the Netherlands within uh, the national teams and discussing what science of sport is and, and what they're offering. This is really an awesome talk. I, I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Let's get right to it. Matt, thank you for taking the time to be with us today. Absolute pleasure, mate. Thank you for having me on board. Yeah, man. Listen, this is one that it's been bouncing around. We've been trying to get this recorded, and I'm stoked to have it. So let's get people caught up to date, where you are, what you're doing, and uh, kind of how you got into the, the role you're in right now. 
Yeah, of course. So, um, yeah, Matt Solomon from the UK, but currently working in the Netherlands. So that's, uh, yeah, for me, at least an interesting one straight off the bat. And I I did a degree and a master's and uh, that was sport and exercise science and basically finished my master's and thought, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to roll. I'm ready to get into a job. And then just looked around. And I was like, I'm horribly unemployable. Um, I'm just over-educated, under-experienced, claim to be an SNC coach from a CSCS and I, I never coached anyone. So, um, yeah, after, after my master, I traveled for a bit and met my now lovely wife and, uh, I got an internship in the, in the Netherlands with Vitesse Arnhem. So I, I literally just fired males off to as many, as many football teams as I could. And, uh, eventually I got, uh, came back and yeah, I, I managed to get myself uh, an internship there, which is fantastic. After that, I uh, was lucky to be taken to Dubai with the uh, head of S&C there. So he, uh, he got a job in Dubai and, and took me along for the ride, which is great. So I worked with a football team. And after a year, I returned to the Netherlands and uh, landed a work experience placement. So I went from paid work back to unpaid interning again. And um, yeah, through that internship position, although it was a gamble, I managed to get a, a full-time full job out of that, which is fantastic. So, uh, yeah, now I'm working with the Dutch Olympic team for the uh, Handball Academy, Paracycling, including uh, hand biking. And that's a talent team, uh, table tennis talent team and Paralympic. And, uh, yeah, I work with some regional training centers as well so we can implement our long-term athlete development plan, which is uh, which keeps me on my toes, keeps me busy. And uh, that's about 30 hours of my, of my week. And the rest of the time I'm um, working for Science for Sport as the media manager. And then eventually you take a nap. <laughs> sometimes I get to sleep, but it doesn't feel like that much. Um, sometimes it's, uh, it's some busy days. Yeah, it sounds it. And it's a vast array of athletes. But I think that what's really cool is your path from the UK to the Netherlands and some projects that you've been working on kind of because of those trips that you've made. So let, let's dive into that project that you're working on and what you're looking at and what you've been noticing and finding throughout it. Yeah, so basically I was, I was during, my master, uh, during my time at the Olympic team on work experience placement, I, I was kind of sat there going, well, how do I convert this into a job? Um, so I had a lot of questions like, who do I need to talk to? Who do I need to impress? Who do I need to contact? How do I use a network? Blah, blah, blah. And I, I couldn't find any really good answers for it. There was there was some stuff online, but not a great amount. And the people I was working with certainly helped me in that. And they, they certainly guided me along the way. But we didn't have really good resources. There's one or two books out there. There's, there's one or two blog posts, but no really good resources. So I I just kind of, yeah, got talking. And eventually we decided to create our own little piece of research. So we reached out to as many SNC coaches as we could, sports scientists, you name it. And uh, eventually we, we managed to quiz 250 of them, or at least 250, just over. So, yeah, we, we sent out this questionnaire and, and we got quite a few responses. So it's, uh, it's going to be good if we can take, that, yeah, take the listeners through that a little bit and see, uh, see whether we can help some interns out. Fantastic. So let's talk about that. So what are the things that you guys were catching from the professionals out there? What, what are they looking for? What's important? And... How can we help these young pups navigate this field a little better um, going forward? Well, yeah, I, I also still feel like one of those young pups. So uh, <laughs> that's, um, that's a difficult one for me. But uh, taking the knowledge from other people, uh, we, we kind of split it into a few different research categories. So one of them was what do coaches want? Like what do coaches want to see from interns? Because 
although it sounds pretty pretty obvious, like they want them to be yeah super enthusiastic and they want to absolutely love training and be really involved, all, all that kind of stuff. Like how do we break that down and make that into usable information for people doing an intern internship? Sorry. So uh, looking at the really key ones, it was uh, enthusiasm, communication skills, taking responsibility and proactivity. Um, and there's a little bit of interesting stuff on coaching skills as well, but I'll leave that to the end. Um, firstly, enthusiasm. And I think I'm just going to touch on it really briefly because it's, it's kind of obvious. If, if, you do, if you're not enthusiastic, then um, you're, you're probably not going to last more than about two months. Um, if, if you're going to work with some great SNC coaches who are really enthusiastic about the way that they work, they want people who, who reflect that. They want people who share their enthusiasm. So that's a, that's a pretty obvious one to kick off with. And then... If we look at communication skills, if you're an intern who's never stood in front of a group, maybe you need to change that pretty swiftly. So if you're if you're looking to get an internship and you can't demonstrate that you can stand in front of a group of people who are all looking at you and present to them, then that could be a bit of an issue. So you need to be able to talk to individuals and groups. Um, and yeah, even if you can't prove on paper you do need to start developing those skills. So even if it's getting your parents, I don't know, doing anything you can to make sure that when you're in that situation, you can you can really present yourself in the right way instead of just blundering through a warm-up, for example. Um, taking responsibility, that's a, that's a big one, especially if you move through your internship. So you need to be able to find yourself tasks. And yeah, in elite sport, that's, that's no different to any other workplace, really. I mean, if you're even if you're working in a bar which is absolutely fine before you get your internship like you still need to take on responsibilities so yeah how do you prove that you're gonna be the person who takes on extra all the time and delivers on your promises so that leads us to being proactive and this is one i want to talk a little bit more about because i think this reflects back on a lot of different types of of work you can do as an ssc coach so looking at our research we got out of five 4.2 as an average score for proactivity. So that's from our 250 plus coaches, they scored it for 4.2 out of five. That's a big, big number. 81% of coaches told us that it's either important or very important. So this for me is one of the key characteristics which underpins a successful career, let alone, uh, let alone an internship. So it means producing action, right? You need to not just sit around and wait for something to happen. I mean, if you're, if you're sat there now, and you're thinking, oh, yeah, I really like an internship. I'm just going to sit and apply for two or three of them. And, yeah, they're going to get back to me and I'm a good candidate. I'm going to get the job. Well, yeah, I don't want to be the bearer of bad news, but it might not happen. Like, no one's going to come and say, hey, I really I really like that guy who's no one ever, no one's ever heard of. I'm going to pick him up and give him a great internship. Like, You need to be not in people's faces in a negative way, but certainly in their thoughts. So how are you putting yourself in people's minds to help them help you find an internship. And that doesn't that doesn't just go for before you get an internship or yeah, or during the internship process. It goes it goes for so many parts of being an intern. Let's let's take a really simple and quick example. You can say, "Hey coach, why did you program deadlifts today?" Yeah, okay, that's, that's a reasonable question. But you could also say, hey, coach, so you program deadlifts today. Are these guys getting in some extra posterior chain work? And do you think that's really important for these athletes? Like, number one, you've probably gone, all right, well, I've seen they're doing some deadlifts. That's cool. And number two, you've, you've engaged your brain before you've asked the question. So you already kind of know the answer. And the coach that you're working with is probably going to appreciate that a lot. So I, I don't know if it's the same for you, if you've worked with interns who 
just kind of ask questions randomly and shoot straight from the hip or have a little think about it is is that something you've come across dude uh, to the point where it's like I hardly deal with them, to, if I'm going to be completely honest. Um, I think that not even, just to piggyback off that, not only having questions that are well thought out and well um, put together, but also the timing of these questions and understanding not just what you ask, but when you ask it and how you ask it is probably more important than what you ask. Uh, has probably been one of the bigger issues we've had with with our kids that we have come in here. Um, but yeah, there's been uh, it, it's been an interesting road. We, we've uh, I did a talk about that a little bit ago, uh, where I actually talked about how well one of our assistants is doing with it now here, versus how just god freaking awful it was when I ran it. Um, the whole internship program. And I think that he has driven things a lot more in the direction you're talking about um, than I did. And it's, uh, it's definitely a flaw that I've had over my career is that that aspect of dealing with the intern. I, I can imagine that. Yeah. If, if you've got someone stood before you and they're asking a question, which you think, Hey, yeah, or maybe you should have just thought about that a little bit before you asked and that could be pretty frustrating. But yeah, if you, if you bring it across in a different way, you say, Hey, I'm really interested to learn about this and this. I saw you got some interesting ideas on it, but I'm not fully up to speed. Could we organize a meeting in like a, a week or two? And, uh, I'm going to do some research about it. I'm going to come to you. And if we've got any questions, maybe we can run through it, run through some stuff in the gym. That's a different scenario, right? A hundred percent, you know, and I think that I think that you really hit the nail on the head in both aspects of that. When it, when you're ca- talking about the expanding and, and talking and reaching out to people and the the betterment of the questions. So I guess my next question to follow that is, is then what else were coaches feeding into off of that? Like when it comes to directions as to how to reach out and when to reach out and where to reach out and who to reach out to. Oh, that's a, that's a very good question. So, uh, yeah, let's, let's talk a little bit about uh, networking, I suppose. It's, it's a horrible word, and uh, many people don't like to use it. But at the end of the day, if you're going to apply for a ton of jobs, you're, you're probably missing about 70 or 80% of them. So, yeah, you're going to need to get yourself a network. And if you don't have one as an intern or you're a young SSC coach and you don't really have many contacts, I suppose the biggest recommendation would be to start piggybacking on other people's. So, if you're, if you're sat there at university and you think, oh, yeah, I'm reading up all these uh, great S&C coaches and I really want to reach out to them and speak to them, that's fine. But having a point of contact in between is probably going to get you a long way, right? So if you've got a professor or a lecturer or anyone at the university who's yeah vaguely connected, start to talk, start to utilize that. Like you can, you can play into that and say, hey, uh, professor, whoever um, – I see that you're in contact with this kind of person quite a lot. Could you uh, could you sort me out and maybe I can have a chat with him or get a coffee with her sometime, whatever it might be. So I think the, the first thing would be if you don't have a network, try and find ways to get to talk to people as soon as possible. So whether that's reaching out to them over social media, whatever it might be, like that's, that's a completely reasonable way of doing things. But try and have a link in there because a lot of people, if you respond – straight from social media like they, they don't know you they can check your linkedin whatever but like if you're 
emotionally attached to them in some way through a friend or a colleague or a former friend or colleague, but whatever it might be, they're going to help you far more willingly than someone who's just fired a a message and it could have been fired to a hundred other people. Right. So, um, that would be my first one. I think having a confidence to make a call and I mean call that's, that could be a massive difference, right? So because everyone's messaging over social media, firing an email, whatever it might be, because that's easy. Having the confidence to literally ring someone up could be a big game changer. So this is, this is old school. And it came from one of my, uh, one of my colleagues who, said that there was a way that he got in at the very start and social media might not have quite been as, as big a thing back then. So I won't mention who it was who helped me with that. But he, um, yeah, he just said, look, I, I just called someone up. I literally worked out the best time to call them, thought, well, they're probably lecturing at this point and they're probably coaching at this point. So I'm going to give them a call. And yeah, he chose well, whatever time, let's say 11 o'clock in the morning and the guy answered the phone and all of a sudden he's popping down there for a coffee and he's got an internship a week later. So that could be a game changer, right? So if if someone's phone is ringing and it's literally making a noise with a number attached to it, it's very hard to ignore. Whereas if you read a message, you can read it at any time you like. Life is busy and it's very easy to ignore. So that would be a, a big one for me, making sure that you're literally speaking to someone instead of trying to make your relationship from nothing over social media. Like that's, and it's not a bad thing to do. Don't get me wrong. It's not a bad thing to do at all to try and message people on social media, but it could change the way that you're perceived if you can make an, a real life call um and other than that i think things like taking a genuine interest like some things can't be faked just get coaches talking about topics that they they enjoy they love i mean at the end of the day we're as snc coaches we all love talking about training in one way or another so if you can get that coach talking about the stuff that they enjoy they're probably going to like you because they associate your conversation they had with you with good feelings because they were enjoying themselves. So yeah, ask not just good questions, but intelligent questions about what they're doing, why they're doing it, why they enjoy doing it. Like what's, what's the favorite part of what they do and what's their new little project or what's their new little pet thing that's going on? Like, are they into velocity based training? If so, why, what are they using? Like these are all pretty simple questions as long as you switched on. And then yeah, the volume of people, I suppose, is probably a big one as well, right? So if you're gonna if you're gonna basically slam messages out to people and just say, "Hey, uh, I'm looking for an internship. I've got these qualifications, this experience," you're gonna get rejected quite a lot. So, yeah, I would initially try not to ask for internships or job opportunities, whatever it might be, and just try and yeah, make a genuine connection with the person first, and then eventually, maybe a year or two down the line, then. You can say, hey, uh, I've been doing some stuff for a couple of years, but I'm still looking for that internship. I don't know if you could help me because a couple of years down the line, you've built a relationship with them. If I look at my network now and the contacts which I have close to me, I'd feel far more comfortable asking them now than I would have done two years ago if I knew them at all two years ago. So just asking people out of the blue probably isn't going to help you that much. But if you are, make sure that you're getting the numbers in because at the end of the day, you're going to get ignored a lot and rejected a lot. And yeah, that's, that might be the sad reality of it, but it is the reality of it. I mean, if I look back to when I moved to the Netherlands, I think I must have messaged every football team with about an hour, within about an hour and a half of a car journey. So that's that's most of the Netherlands. Um, and two responded. So <laughs> yeah, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't exactly the best response rate, but one of them, very kindly said, uh, hey, come and uh, have a coffee and we'll talk about it. 
the other one rejected me and said, no, we've got enough interns. So, yeah, I mean, you have to be used to getting that rejection, feeling that kind of, yeah, that horrible feeling of, oh, yeah, again, and picking yourself up and going again. Because if you don't pick yourself up and go again, there's going to be someone else who does. I guarantee it. There's so many SNC graduates or sports science graduates who are more than happy to take that job as long as they're going to ask a thousand times. So, yeah, I, I don't know if you're seeing the similar things in the, in the USA. No, a thousand percent. I think that a good friend of mine, Cure One and Flat, says it best. It was like cold calling or cold messaging someone and asking for a job or an internship is like walking up to a woman at a bar and saying, your place or mine. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, it, it, 99 times out of 100, you're not going to get anything. And the one that says, yeah, you probably are running away from anyway. So when... When you look at these things, I guess the one thing that I would add to that is doing the research too, right? Like if someone were to, to contact me and be like, you know, how do you, you know, implement something that you don't even do when like everything that people do is pretty much on the internet right now anyway, like if you're not asking specific questions or at least general questions about the direction they or their staff are moving or doing things in, um, I don't think you're helping yourself. And um, so, yeah, I, I think that a lot of that does hold a lot of weight. And I think that that's something that um, could really be seen as a flaw and a fault of the education system in that they're not pushing those. Like, that should be homework for kids. Like, this week you need to get in touch with three people or you need to research three coaches that you want to reach out to and give us five facts about them and – message them and ask them a question. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. That's, that's something that I did uh, during my work experience placement and it, it didn't get me a job, but it certainly increased my network. So it was a case of, okay, well, I'm going to find three people who are close to me. I mean, geographically close to me um, per week and talk to them and see what they're doing. And if they're doing nothing interesting, that's cool, but I've met someone new. And then you can start to get wider and wider and eventually, of course, you're going to hit some, yeah, more, yeah, pe people in a position of maybe more power who could hire you or fire you. And yeah, you're going to do yourself a world of favors. So that was, that was one of the things that we considered as part of the research to, to say, hey, how many people should you be contacting per week? And we, we didn't come up with necessarily a proper number because it's, it's all individual, of course. But uh, yeah, I was, I was trying to hit three a week. And that's a lot, right? Like if you're working a, a fair few hours... There's quite a lot of people to maintain a conversation with. So, yeah, choose them carefully. And if you're doing the research, it, it shouldn't be easy. It definitely shouldn't be an easy thing to do to say, hey, uh, you're Matt Solomon. Um, I'd love to know about your work. Or, yeah, cool, but check out all of the things that I'm saying about my work. And you can probably get 99% of it already. So, yeah, that's that's a big one, right? If you can if you can intelligently research the person, I'm it, it takes me back to the, the point earlier, like taking a genuine interest and asking coaches about what they're enjoying. If you can do that, the quicker you can get into that conversation about, hey, I saw you're doing velocity-based training, wherever it is. Um, I'd love to get your ideas on how you use it, which exercise you select for it, why you do it, how that feeds into the motivation for your athletes. Like, as soon as you get coaches talking about these things, and especially topics on their athletes, they're going to love it. So if you, can, if you can kind of shorten the time between hey, I want an internship, or hey, I want to talk about what you want to talk about, 
then you're going to be doing a pretty good job. I think that last point is absolutely critical in understanding that to start out, you probably want to talk about what the person you want to talk to wants to talk about. And then I would also piggyback into that and say that once that has started to be, um, once you've answered or gotten the questions you want answered from an individual, another easy way to expand would be for me to be like, you know, I contact you, Matt, for about VBT stuff, let's say. And you're like, yeah, you know, we're doing X, Y, and Z, and this is great, and that is great. I'm like, hey, man, I really appreciate it. Do you have anyone else that you would mind directing me towards, you know, that you've learned from or, or people that you've been wanting to ask questions to about that? Because people are always, like, excited to share their mentors and mentees and things of that nature. Oh, absolutely. Exactly. And, that, yeah, if he's back into a point earlier, if you can – start piggybacking other people's networks, then then you're onto something, right? So yeah, if, uh, if we have a great conversation today and I'm like, hey, I want to talk to uh, the next best person for this, then yeah, if, if you're going to send me an email or a, a phone number or whatever, that, that's fantastic. I mean, it, it makes a lot of sense to keep using the network to grow your network, right? It, it, seems, it seems very logical that we're going through this, but I'm sure if you'd have told me this when I was maybe 21, 22, 23, I would have just been lapping it up. This would have been just completely you know, music to my ears. Yeah, a thousand percent, especially when I was 23, I, I think it would have been AOL Instant Messenger that we would have been utilizing <laughs> um, to contact people. But all of this has taken you full tilt and brought you back to the Netherlands, and now you're working in two really interesting situation so let's let's get into a little bit of what you're doing with the athletes that you're working with and how you got into working in the combination of the um the full teams and then the parasite yeah so uh yeah the moment i'm working with the uh the handball academy so that's the the guys between yeah so some of them are as, as young as 15 up to 18 19 and uh that's a that's an excellent program. So we're we're really lucky that the the Olympic team they have a fantastic facilities, but b fantastic organisations. So the guys will come in for a training session before school. They will go to school, do all the stuff they need to do to become uh, grown up human beings, and then they'll come back for another training session. So we we've kind of got the perfect scenario where everything is not necessarily under control, but everything is organised brilliantly to give them the best program imaginable. I mean. If, if you compare that to the collegiate system, I don't know exactly how that works for you guys, but in, in Europe, at least, if you go to universities, it may be slightly different to the, the US collegiate system. And there aren't too many places where you have everything in, in one campus as such. So yeah, that's a, that's a really big one. That's, I actually love working with those guys. It's really enjoyable. Um, so we, uh, yeah, we get in four times a week and we listen heavy stuff, make them run fast, uh, listen lighter stuff really quickly all the basics and yeah we're, we're just teaching them how to move so they they've come in and some of them have some snc experience and some of them really not so we've got guys handball is an interesting sport so uh, the way it was termed to me is uh, they need to kind of start to become rugby players and uh one or two of them have that build already and one or two of them not and uh yeah we've got some got some big old guys in there as well right so Day number one, a guy comes in and he's like two meters seven or something. He's like, yeah, squatting is going to be difficult. Yeah, it is, mate. <laughs> you have to duck to get in the doorway. So squatting is going to be pretty tough for you. 
but we're getting there and uh, they're getting a lot better at that. So that's that's an interesting one that's certainly challenging and takes up probably about, yeah, uh, 50% of my, my hours at the Olympic team. And then for some other sports, it's also, yeah, incredibly challenging in different ways. And I, I thoroughly recommend it to people who haven't been in this before, but I'm working with some Paralympic or adaptive athletes and uh, that's a, a really, really good environment to be working in. So with the Paralympic cyclists, that's the talent team, so we've got some guys and girls who are bikers. They're, for example, they have a visual impairment or an audio impairment and some hand bikers as well. So that's just some, uh, some upper body athletes. They're, they're pushing and pulling a lot. And uh, yeah, that, that gives a really big challenge, right? So it, for me, at least, it challenges the way that I perceive movement as an SNC coach. If I've got a guy who's uh, an amputee above the knee, and he's got a prosthesis and all of a sudden he's he's going to do a deadlift because they're going to use their back a little bit and that's an important one and also although maybe he doesn't use too much of his legs in the chair for general health it's definitely worth doing so we're there doing some deadlifts and I'm challenging myself and he's challenged me constantly to see what I accept and what I don't accept in terms of movement and what what is good movement what is bad movement what are the things which are going to potentially be risky or injuring and what are the things that are going to train over the longer period and uh, that I'm doing on like a rep by rep basis so if, if people have worked with adaptive athletes before I'm sure they can they can imagine the situation you're in but every single rep you're trying to judge all of these factors feed it back into the system and eventually go no stop and at that point of course you need to justify why that was and, and give them some feedback and some cues but as a coach, I think it's a really interesting one because it challenges the way that you you want people to move. It, it makes you really think about what parts of movement are are the right ones or the wrong ones, and how far you're willing to go within certain boundaries. So, yeah, that's for me. That's a really challenging program, but I absolutely love it. I, I couldn't speak highly enough of the the athletes, the motivation that they have, and the the motivation they give me as well. So, if I can recommend one thing from the podcast is trying to get to work with some athletes who are really going to challenge you like this. And if we relate that back to being an intern and doing internships, trying to find work experience somewhere, I'm willing to guess that you could probably find some adaptive athletes somewhere who are willing to take up some free training. If you're willing to give up your time and you're willing to, to give up and to go on an internship, for example, I'm willing to wager that if you can find some athletes who are, not receiving SNC and you're willing to give up your time, you can learn a lot from a group like that. So yeah, maybe that that's something to consider as well for interns. Can you learn a lot from one or two populations who maybe don't already have an SNC coach? If funding isn't there for for adaptive athletes, then maybe you find yourself a niche. Yeah, I've actually had the opportunity to talk to Sam Gardner who um does a lot of work with the U.S. Paralympics, uh, para-athletes, para excuse me, um, and he says the same thing, how absolutely sensational the experience has been and how phenomenal the athletes are that he has the pleasure to work with, and uh, it really is an, an interesting and awesome, um, like, career path, I think, because, you know, we talk about the motivational aspect of athletes and how like they can be so inspiring and this and that but I, I don't know if there's people that could be much more inspiring than the men and women that 
participate in those games. Oh, yeah, I, I definitely agree. I mean, yeah, it's very hard to moan about your long day at work when athletes like that come in and they just tear it up. And they've already been for one session for two hours this morning. And uh, they come in in the afternoon and, yeah, they, they absolutely destroy it. You're like, yeah, fair play. I'll probably stop moaning about my five hours sleep. I'll just get on with it. Um, so it puts you back in your place sometimes as well. It puts some things in perspective and uh, it makes you makes you want to work hard. No doubt about it, man. So, listen, let me get you out of here on this. If we didn't talk about science of sport, uh, I'd be a little disappointed in myself. So, give it a rundown. What is it? What are you guys doing? What are you providing? And uh, what what is this little link we're putting below here for people to check out? Yeah, really good one, mate. So, science of sport is uh, yeah, it's uh, becoming a, a fairly large part of my life, and. Uh, what it is, it's an online resource for all things sports science, basically. And the goal is to make really complex topics simple to understand. Everyone can understand it. And, uh, yeah, to, to kind of filter through so much of the unreliable, biased, and rubbish-filled content that, that's out there, right? So there's, it's too easy to make a blog, and it's too easy to, to spout your ideas off. But at Science of Sport, they've, they've recognized the need to build a trustworthy and reliable source of information. So it's not just... Yeah, it's not just someone's ideas, it's referenced properly. So you can, if you're, if you're interested in a particular topic, the, the first thing I do is go to Science of Sport, Google whatever it is, like Science of Sport, bam, okay, cool. Where are the key pieces of research? Who does those key pieces of research? You read through the, the Science of Sport, cool, brilliant. Where's the next step? So that, that for me is it's always the first step before I follow the breadcrumbs of, uh, of whatever research there might be. And um, yeah, the science report basically provides educational content, uh, including articles, but there's also videos, infographics. That's one of my things, by the way. Um, and the, the Performance Digest. And the Performance Digest is a, a paid for subscription which covers 19 articles. So every month you get thousands of new articles on all things sports science. And basically, the job from the Performance Digest crew is to, to pick the most important, the best ones, the most interesting ones. And give a pretty pretty good summary of what it is and how you can apply it. So it's not just someone going, okay, well, here's the piece of research. This is what you do. It's, okay, this was this happened. How are you going to apply that to your practice really quickly? So that includes topics like strength and conditioning, youth development, technology and monitoring, fatigue recovery, science of coaching, nutrition, injury prevention, rehab, like you name it, it's there. And um, for me, that's a, a really special resource. That's, that's something that you don't normally find. And to have some of the people that we have doing it is, is absolutely fantastic. So the research reviewers are some really great people. They're not just uh, a PhD and whatever. They're, they're guys and girls who get out there and they practice it as well. So that, for me, makes a big, big difference. And uh, it's not just those things. There's also the, uh, the, the Facebook group. That's a pretty big one that gets a lot of traction. It's one of the things that I'm involved in as well to make sure that people get their questions answered. But we've got a a collection of about 1,200 plus coaches at the moment, uh, coaches, sports scientists, physios, uh, everyone you can think of. And they're there to help each other. So everyone is using each other's information to get better. And it's a really open forum to basically discuss anything related to your work. And for me, that's that's really opened my eyes to what a lot of people are doing and how how you can get better. Like you've got some fantastic coaches in there who you can – bounce ideas off of and maybe there's something you're not really familiar with whether it's velocity-based training or Franz Bosch theory whatever it might be 
but there's some people who are really clued up on that and you can ask some great questions on it so yeah that's uh, that's basically what science of sport is is doing and it's all about and it's for me it's a, a fantastic resource to get your hands on so i think in the link below what you'll find is uh the science of sport page but also hopefully a link to a free performance digest so if you're not already signed up for a free version you can check it out and uh yeah get your hands on what you could be getting your hands on if you were to become a member so yeah that's a that's a really big one if you can if you can check it out i thoroughly recommend it 100% man and uh, that link below guys make sure you check it out make sure you see what they're offering because it's great stuff and Matt can't thank you enough for spending the time with us today brother this is fantastic people are going to love it uh, I really enjoyed it mate I hope that people found it useful and uh, yeah they're more than welcome to uh, to reach out and discuss anything that we discussed today um, just don't ask me for an internship <laughs> I, <laughs> no, love it, I love uh, it I love it I unfortunately can't hook people up with internships at the moment but um, yeah if, uh, if people do have questions about that they're more, than, they're more than welcome to get in contact awesome man well appreciate your time brother we'll be in touch real soon thank you very much mate cheers and a huge thanks to Matt Solomon for spending the time with us today guys just some, some really awesome stuff some great advice for all the young coaches out there go out you know make your network grow and, and, and let your network grow your network uh, get out there, reach out, ask the right questions, and, and start to build relationships with people because that's what's going to help you in the long run. Uh, and guys, make sure you're checking out the link below to make sure that you can see what Science of Sport is offering and, and going through that because they're doing some great stuff out there and they're really doing a lot to try to help coaches be better. So hit that link, check it out, and I uh, hope you guys enjoy what, what they provided. And as always, guys, if you did enjoy the talk, please share it through the social media outlet of your choice. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. As always, guys, just trying to get the best information out to all the great coaches that we possibly can. So if you know somebody that could take something from this talk, shoot them a DM, tag them on Twitter, uh, whatever it may be. Again, just trying to get the best information out that we possibly can to all the sensational coaches out there. And as always, guys, thank you for everything that you do for us here at Central Virginia Sport Performance. We will be back next week with another awesome guest. We will see you then.